Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning and welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, where we feature people who have transformed their lives and are now working to transform the lives of other people. And it's always so phenomenal when I do my show, uh, I, I live intuitively. I wrote the book Soul Intuition, and it always seems like the right people come at the right time, the right things happen. I actually had a different guest schedule for today who was unable to make it last minute and over a, a series of events over the past week, the show came into reality and it's something that I find just fascinating. Uh, we've got two guests today that are talking about uh, programming and deprogramming and transitioning and transforming um, from uh, institutionalized religion and it doesn't even necessarily mean that you're transitioning out of religion or out of faith. It's just that there are certain religions that sometimes people grow up in that are highly um, programming religions or cultures. And um, it's about what what is the mindset behind these and what are some of the struggles people face as they go through these transitions and and how do they overcome those? So if any of you have ever gone through a transition where you've been highly involved in a religion and transitioned out or to a different religion, or if any of you know somebody who has, you know that it can be really lonely, it can be a struggle, it can be hard. Um, I, I went through this lately where I had some of my own transitions and, and it was really hard because um, there were things with family, there were things with friends, there were things where I felt like I was losing my community and, and it really caused this shift in me and I found myself a couple of years ago, really depressed and really, really struggling. And it was actually through um, the counsel of one of my good friends, uh, Rodney Allgood, who's a, a professional motivational speaker who also runs a group for people who are transitioning out of the Jehovah's Witness faith that I actually found hope and encouragement. And then, of course, uh, met Wendy and, um, well, re-met her. We actually knew each other years ago. Uh, re-met her and found out that she is on the same journey to help people transition um, without going through the struggle of depression and things. So anyway, I'd like to introduce my two guests today. I've got Mr. Rodney Allgood joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, who is a motivational and transformational speaker, one of the most inspiring speakers that I've ever known, and somebody who transitioned out of the Jehovah's Witness faith years ago and is now inspiring people to do the same. And um, I'll have you tell a little bit more of your story here in a minute, Rodney. And then joining me live in studio today, all the way from just around the corner. And do you live in Gilbert? Is that where Mesa. Mesa, oh, Mesa, Mesa, Arizona is Wendy Jensen, who phenomenal woman who uh, went through her own faith transition out of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, LDS Church, sometimes known as Mormons, um, a while ago. And um, she uh, is now passionate about helping other people transition in love. And just before we start the show, I, I want to make a couple of things just really clear for those of you who are listening. This is not a show where we're going to bash any religion. This is not a show where we're uh, talking about all the horrible things that have happened to us in the past or all the ways we were brainwashed. I mean, that is not my mindset. That is not either of my guests' mindset. This is a show about being able to show up in support and love for those who are in a really um, difficult time of their life and transitioning and have had some struggles. We've got some people on Facebook Live and would welcome uh, comments there as well. So, Rodney, let's actually uh, start with you. Um, I would love for you to tell a little bit more about your story and your background of how you got into this, because I know it's something that you kind of uh, stumbled into. So. So, Rodney? Uh, well, as far as helping uh, former members, it, it was 
not something I, I wanted to do. Um, I think when you get to a good place or a better place yourself after you know going through a transition, sometimes that's the last thing you want to talk about. Like I didn't want to put any energy there. I didn't really want to talk about it. I wanted to move on and just inspire the masses, you know, as a speaker. You know, but every now and then I would glance at some of the Facebook groups of ex-members and it was just angry. People were angry, they were hurt, and they were looking for answers and no one had any answers. It was just one horrible story after the next. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were getting a lot of empathy but no answers. And I felt bad because I knew how to help these people. And I wasn't. So I started making motivational videos, inspirational videos in, in some of these groups. And, and, and one of them kicked me out because oh um, the purpose of the group, I guess, was to really just allow people to express themselves and, and, and gain empathy. And I said, wow, um, I think I need to create something, a space for people who really want to move forward. So I, I started my own group, and it's really grown, and we've been able to help people. And I, I've found that the greatest gift you can give, really, is using your own experience to help others. I mean, all of us, no matter where we've been through it, what we've been through in life, have something to share with people who have been through a similar experience. And I think we have a really particular uh, honed-in viewpoint because of that. So I, I'm glad that I did make that decision to do that. And it's just grown, and, and it's been very fulfilling to help people because of my experience. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I think you're right. Um, I just did a training with some clients yesterday. And we we're talking about when we're going through trials, when we're going through struggles, and of course, transition can be one of those. You know, there's there's really three questions that I ask myself. Number one, what am I going to do about this? Number two, what did I learn from it? Number three, how can I help others? Uh, because I truly find that they, we find purpose and meaning in suffering um, when, we, when we create a purpose, or we find meaning in our suffering when we create a purpose, a way to help and guide others. And Wendy, you're doing just that same thing, too. So, Wendy, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and your story of, of what inspired you. You also have a Facebook group, just like Rodney, um, for people who are transitioning out of uh, the LDS faith. And uh, tell me a little bit about how that got started or what inspired you to start that. Well, at the at the time that I was um, trans transitioning out of uh my religion. I had already had years and years of, you know, energy healing and and teaching people about emotional wellness and emotional yeah. fluency. Well, and I want to I want to I want to point something out. I don't know if this is where you were going or not, but you actually wrote a book that was really interesting yes. for those of you who are uh, listening. If you've ever heard of Louise Hay, if you've ever heard of Carol Truman, they had done some research and found that there were certain emotions that preceded certain physical ailments. So, for example, you know, if you're, I think a common one that we all know is if you have ulcers, maybe it's linked to stress, right? Yes. But this these books really dove deep. Well, what you did, Wendy, was you took this research and you actually created a book of questions that people could ask if they were experiencing certain physical pains or ailments that might lead them to an emotional route. So um, you actually, that was kind of what, what sparked this change is in the process of that research book. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, in that research, it was, it was a three-year project. And a lot of it has to do with me getting in the energy of somebody who who is experiencing the, the sickness mm -hmm. and understanding uh, where the disconnect is from source. 
And so when I when I was doing this after three years, I was like amazed at how much of it was a, a contempt against the self. Yeah. Like a lot of autoimmune diseases actually have the cells are fighting against each other. Wow. And so um, I just kept asking, where is the source of contempt against the self? And I was shocked to find that was in a lot of the teachings of my religion that I was kind of feeling like I was not good enough mm -hmm. that, um, you know, that originally I was born a sinner or that I was born somebody that was in need of rescue and, and somebody who was... Um, it required a, a, a violent death for mm -hmm. me to just ex exist. And yeah. I wasn't sure, you know, how to reconcile all that. And so that's kind of how that began. And what happened is as I, I was transitioning out, I wanted to face my face in the other direction and w have the sun on my face in, in that way, knowing that I had the skills that I could, you know, overcome the emotions and, and um, that I could, you know, feel really confident about the new life that I, and, th and these new wings that I had. Um, but what happened for me is that I took a deep dive. I didn't realize how connected and interwoven all of the doctrines were into the fabric of my identity. And so when I uh, had my own serious depression and discouragement and um, lost the validation and the relevancy that I had within my community and within my family, I didn't realize what a toll it would take on me. And I thought to myself, if I had all these skills, <laughs> but um, those who are coming out of tradition or into the transition don't have these skills. Wow. I thought, I look back, I took a look back at the exit gate and I saw this outflux of people who were hemorrhaging at that gate. And granted, um, my LDS community is very community oriented and that doesn't go away after you leave the church. And it looked like to me, if I could give you a, an image, it looked like so many people trying to help each other and performing triage while they were still bleeding out. Mm, wow. And so I thought to myself, I cannot turn my back on this. I want to dedicate my practice that I completely lost because <laughs> my business was formed on all um, LDS women who are active in the church. And so when I left, I completely lost my business. Mm -hmm. And so I turned back and thought this is where my purpose is right now is to help people who are transitioning to somehow condense the amount of time that it takes to get into that space of confidence and clarity and a vision for their dreams. Yeah. Well, I, something you said really, um, really sparked something in me. And um, and there's something, too, that I, I think, Rodney, I'd love to hear you address this as well. But one of the major things for me is I felt like you. I felt this sense of, okay, this isn't serving me anymore. Um, this is something that I want to transition out of. It. And I want to make it very clear. I, I'm still Christian. I believe in God. I just, that, that my certain religion that I was in wasn't serving me anymore. And I, like you, I felt more guilt and shame than I did love. And I thought, gosh, if there is a God in heaven, I believe that he would want me to be happy and feel loved. And I'm not feeling that where I am now. But one of the things that happened to me was I've been taught my whole life that um, I, when I needed answers, 
I should look to my church leader. So when I wanted answers, I should look to certain doctrine of the church. When I wanted answers, if I was worthy in doing certain things, I would get inspiration and guidance. But all of a sudden, here I was in a position where I wasn't deemed worthy by the church. So I felt like I couldn't get certain inspiration. I didn't know who to turn to or who to look to because my church leaders, you know, were saying things that weren't congruent or consistent with how I felt good about myself or wanted to live. And, and, and the church doctrine, then, you know, if you're going to not be a part of a church, how can you turn to church doctrine? So I was like, I, I have no idea where to find my answers. And here I am a person who'd written, literally written a book called Soul Intuition about finding your inner guidance and answers within yourself. And I was completely lost. And, um, you know, even my family, who was such a part of the church, you know, was telling me, look here for answers, look there for answers. And I felt so lost and so confused. And like I was a baby, like I was a literal baby. So I don't know, uh, Rodney, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is this something that's normal when somebody's transitioning this confusion, this thought, these feelings like, where do I even go for answers? Yeah, um, I know in my experience and the church I came out of, you're kind of taught not to trust your intuition. You're taught um, independent thinking is really looked down upon. Critical thinking is looked down upon. So, you know, especially when you're raised that way, I think people lose touch with their intuition. Mm. That voice inside that is there to guide you is, is question, and you're just taught to seek answers elsewhere. And when that's no longer working for you, it's not easy to just turn that intuition on and trust it. You know, we're, we're just constantly told that the heart is treacherous and don't trust it and don't trust what's coming from within. And, you know, what comes from within is, is your truth. There's a reason why it's there. There's a reason why it was put there. But I think a lot of times especially when we're raised in it, we, we carry a reverence for our parents, we carry a reverence for people that we've always looked up to, and when we're out of line with them, we question ourselves, and we tend to self-judge ourselves based on the way other people are looking at us, and we look at ourselves through their eyes. Mm, that's and Yeah, that's it, true. It doesn't feel good to be on that, that, that road. Yeah, I remember, you know, going to church or having people like I still still feel like and I'm working on transitioning from the story, but like people look at me a certain way because um, I'm not, you know, a part of the church or recently I was with my my daughter up in a, a community that's highly religious and I was wearing clothing that um, is obviously not clothes that most people in my religion wear. And I, I just I felt like everybody's like staring me up and down. I don't know if these are my own stories or if this was really happening. So that was that was you know, something that I'm still working through. But Rodney, what I what I would love to have you um, talk a little bit about here is the programming behind this. Because one of the things that helped me so much when I was going through my transition and talking to you was helping me to understand the programming. Why was I feeling a certain way? Um, I also want to read a comment from Facebook really quick. Um, this is from Priscilla. She said, it's like walking around in a dark room because our intuition is downplayed so much. An institutionalized religion. It's like our own personal light has been dimmed. And then um, Melanie says the perception of feeling lost is so real. So definitely people are relating to this and feeling this. So Ronnie, what's the what's what is the um, programming behind this? Why does this happen to us as we're transitioning out of a, a highly you know institutionalized religion? Because you're questioning, we're questioning reality as we've known it. 
I kind of use this this analogy, and I'm not saying religion is like a prison, but if you can just hear this analogy out, if we were raised in a prison, if women were allowed to have babies in prison, okay, and everyone around you, all your friends were, were also born there, your reality of the world would be within those prison walls, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't think it was a horrible place at all. I mean, right. just, this is just where you are. And a good day and a bad day would be judged within the walls of that that institution, right? So if the warden says, hey, you know, you get to play outside all day today. Um, we're having barbecue at the end of the day. And you get to stay up and watch Netflix all night. You would say that was the most awesome day. Oh, my <laughs> God, it doesn't get any better than this. Right. Because that's all you know. And if you were told that everything outside those walls was there to harm you, it's scary, don't ever go out there, it's all evil, they could literally leave the door wide open and the guards can go home and most people would not leave. And what happens is if you get an inkling that, you know, it's not true and I I really want to venture outside these walls and one day you get outside those walls, you wouldn't know how to live. You wouldn't know how the rest of the world even reacts and and how they do what they do because you were in that closed community for so long. And it's like real prisoners. Somebody who was in prison for 30 or 40 years, sometimes they commit crimes to go back to prison because they're institutionalized. Their brain just works a certain way. And it's not the way that the rest of society works. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you leave uh, a a more high-controlled religion uh, where everything is set out for you and you're told, you know, kind of how to dress and how to walk and how to talk. And, you know, when you're from that community, you can identify someone from your community in a second. You mm-hmm. know, like if you saw other LDS members walk, you would probably know if you sat right. next to them in a plane, mm-hmm. you would know in five minutes. Right. Like I know when I'm sitting next to an ex-Jehovah's Witness within five minutes, I'll know just from the right. conversation or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's a, not the easiest thing to transition out of a community, especially when it's a tight community, that's one of the beautiful things about those kinds of institutions is there's real community, and that's what people miss, and it's really difficult to acclimate, to trust yourself, to trust your decision-making when it still has that paradigm that you're coming from. You know, just because you leave the religion, it doesn't mean your paradigm changes. It doesn't mean the way you see things change. And it takes a while to adjust that. Yeah. Well, I love that analogy. And that's a really good point. Um, If you're liking this conversation with Wendy, with Rodney, and with myself, we're actually going to be having a get-together in Salt Lake here in a couple of weeks, uh, a support group uh, for people who are transitioning out of their religion. Uh, Rodney is going to be speaking there. Wendy will be speaking there. So um, make sure and and let us know if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, We're going to head to commercial break now. When we come back, I want to hear more from Wendy Jensen. I want to hear your thoughts on this. And and here's one of the things um, that I think... You know, Rodney, and this is the final thought that I want to leave with before our break, is this, that um, that sometimes, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I was actually really surprised when I started transitioning out of my religion, still very highly Christian, still, you know, very highly spiritual person, and um, realized that I was still getting these inspirations and these thoughts. I really thought they were going to go away like I thought it was evil. So really interesting uh, to think about. I want to continue along this discussion and and this idea when we come back more with Wendy Jensen and Rodney Allgood. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you're listening to Spotlight. Change starts here. 
Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Are you ready to be fabulous? You know, science has proven that women thrive in a tribe together. And now we invite you to join two fierce females, otherwise known as Sheila and Sarah, as they help you take the journey from flat to fabulous. It's fun, terrific stories and wise insight every week. Take better control of your life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time for Life from Flat to Fabulous on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Create happiness now. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm Allison H. Larson. Today's topic is transformation and transitioning, um, how to deprogram after living a life or being raised in institutionalized religion. This is a real problem. Um, it's something that I personally had to struggle with. It's something that people keep coming into my realm and saying, Allison, you know, what do I do? How do I how do I deal with this? Um, what's going on? Wendy, I know that you, we, we've just heard from Rodney. He gave a great analogy about how it's like being raised in prison, right? Like you don't know anything else outside the prison and so you think it's like the best day in the world when the prison guards like hey we're watching Netflix today and uh, when you get out of prison you don't know how to interact or react with other people um, what are what are your thoughts or what are your guidance or counsel for people who are struggling with this transition and just don't don't know what to do they feel lost they feel sucked I mean we've had Facebook comments of people that say they feel like the floor has been um, pulled out from under them what what are your thoughts about that yeah I, I kind of um, related to the Twin Towers just crumbling down and all the rubble and not sure how to rebuild or climb out of the rubble. But I, I kind of want to go back to this um, topic of intuition. We don't realize because in, in uh, the doctrine in our church, it encouraged you to listen to the heart. It, it taught me that I had that as Holy long Spirit as you within. Were, as long as you were living a certain way and doing certain things. And that Spirit would never tell you to leave the church. Yeah, And so here you are, you've had some kind of cognitive dissonance and some kind of doubt, mm. and you start doing some investigation. And at that time, your intuition as, is at its peak. Yeah, you are, you are listening to your heart and the information that's coming into you. And what happens 
is you end up transitioning out and yeah. you well, I, you're like literally though at that time when I was getting those thoughts and those feelings and impressions like literally as I would share those people would tell me that I, I was being tricked by the devil or that you know I was actually told at one point like you can't receive inspiration you need to totally just rely on your husband or on your church leaders you cannot get those thoughts for yourself. I literally had someone tell me, do not listen to your own thoughts or intuition. And that was so confusing to me because I'm like, wait, I th I'm getting this feeling. And, but is it from the devil? <laughs> Am I bad? And then I was like, I must be a horrible person. I must be just this horrible person. Then I was filled with this guilt and shame. I thought I was this evil person. And yeah, that's so real. I, I know I just totally interrupted you. I'm going to get off my soapbox no. now. Go, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, like I was saying, that's the peak of your intuition yeah. it is guiding you out, out of that paradigm and into a more full world and, and, and expansion of your, your consciousness. But in at, at the point where you say, I, I can no longer subscribe to this, I cannot continue in this environment, because you've been taught that, that would, uh, that's the product of deception, mm -hmm. it's like then we close off that intuition because we no longer trust it. Yeah, that's so true. And so we have to rebuild it. But in that mm -hmm. rebuilding, basically, you're taking the filter that the church had placed on you. You're taking that filter between you and that higher intuition. You're removing it until you're creating a more clear, intuitive connection. Um, you're mm -hmm. creating that, that direct line, and you're recognizing how that intuition works within your body and within your, your whole system. And so you can learn to, to uh, retrust it, but a lot of it's not being taught. How do I reconnect with that intuitive gift that's in all of us? Yeah. And so that's what I think is a key um, point that I love to teach about. Yeah, so, so give me a piece of advice on how do you reconnect with that because I think that that, that is – <laughs> I just, uh, gosh, this is bringing up so much for me because I'm thinking at those times of struggle and confusion. I'm asking, you know, my parents what to do, but they're still highly involved in the church. I'm asking my church leaders what to do. Of course, they're not telling me to leave the church. I'm asking, you know, my ex-husband at the time, what should I do? And he's telling me, oh, you know, you 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 just need to listen to me and the church leaders because you can't receive this. And so I was so confused because all these people that I always relied on, and I'm like, how do how do you find the courage to listen to that inner voice when the whole world you've ever known is telling you that you're wrong. How do you believe that you're right? And I, I know there were some things that happened in my life that I'll share in just a moment that helped me, but what, how, do you, how do you get the courage to believe that you're right and to take that step forward? Well, there, there comes a point in your development and, and as you're transitioning that you do have to shut out the, the outside voices and really tune within. And you don't realize that at, at that point, you have to be willing to disappoint people. You have to be willing to hurt people. Oh, it's so you have hard, to, though. It's it so hard. You have to be willing to confuse people and be misunderstood and no longer be fond, thought fondly of in order to stop betraying yourself. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that was hardest for me is I, I wanted to honor myself, but I didn't want to disappoint anybody. So for a long time, I was living one foot in, one foot out. Uh, Rodney, you actually helped me a lot with this. And you said something so profound that, that changed my life. And I'd love to have you elaborate on this. But during this time of transition where I felt like I was in such a hell, like I was disappointing everybody and letting myself down, I, I realized it was because I had one foot in the religion and one foot out of the religion. And, and you know, Rodney, I remember talking to you one day and you're like, Allison, either be all in or be all out. This is not a gray area. You either 
believe it or you don't. And I don't care which one it is, but you are going to struggle until you figure out which one that is for you. So Rodney, I'd love to have you expand on this a little bit. I want to read just a couple of these Facebook comments too. Um, we've got, uh, Melanie says, makes sense removing the filter, but it takes some time to readjust. It totally does. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. There's some other great comments on here. But anyway, Rodney, I'd love to hear what are your what are your thoughts on this idea? How, how do you help people so that they, they don't have one foot in and one foot out? Um, you know, being neither here nor there is the worst place to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it's like a lot of people leave something, but they arrive nowhere else. That's the worst. It's like getting off of a, you know, I think we were talking the other day and I was using the analogy of the Titanic, right? If you think, I need to get off this ship, it's going to hit that iceberg, and you jump off the Titanic, and you get in a raft, and it has no cell and no rudder, and you can't read the stars, and you're just at sea, and it's dark, and the waves are rough, and it's cold, and that's the worst place to be. I mean, it, it was better to be back on the ship. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I kept looking. And, I kept, I kept right. looking and back and kept, thinking, my family's on there. My friends are on right. there. <laughs> yeah. Right. But if you have intention, if you know where you're going, if you can read the stars, you have direction, it might be rough for a few nights, but eventually you get to land and you can start anew. Um, mm -hmm. I think one thing that helps people is changing the narrative of how you're seeing things. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we're concerned, concerned because we both come from faiths that can shun former members, and, and it's rough when your family looks down on you and the people you love look down on you. But instead of looking at it as being shunned or being looked down on it, look at, at yourself as outgrowing the people that were your, in your former life. You outgrew them. And if you look at it that way, you feel absolutely differently about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a brother I haven't really talked to in eight years. I have a, my sister, my other brother I've not talked to in two years. My mother I've probably talked to five or six times in the last five years. Okay? Mm -hmm. That hurts. Absolutely it does. But the way I deal with it is I look at it as I've outgrown them. And where I'm at now, the place that I've grown to, they don't relate to. And it hurts a lot less to view it that way. Hmm. Because I understand what they believe, and for some reason it doesn't work for me. Because I've grown past it. Yeah, that's really... And remember, oh, remember this, mm -hmm. only growing people can see or acknowledge your growth. Wow. People who are stagnant will not see it or ever acknowledge it. Period. Well, only growing people will acknowledge or accept your growth. So, Rodney, this is, brings up an interesting uh, point, and I want to talk about relationships for a minute. Uh, first of all, there's wow, there's so many good comments here. I wish I could read them all. Here's a couple. You know, Jill said, I grew up being told not to think, just to follow the brother, and now I'm trying to learn to trust and listen to myself. Uh, Priscilla, learning to trust my intuition again is and was probably the most difficult thing. Um, Jeff, one interesting insight that most people don't understand about Mormonism is they do not believe in the stain of the original sin. Yeah, really, really good points, guys. So many, so many um, 
so many great comments here. I can't read them all, but go back and, and read and look at some of these. But Rodney, you hit on a point that I really want to talk about and discuss because this is something that's very um, sensitive for me still. And and just so you guys know, for all of you listening, this is a really scary show for me to do. <laughs> I'm sure you, you understand, Rodney. You understand, Rodney. I'm like, wow, this is kind of scary for me to come out and be so vulnerable and talk about these things. And one of the reasons why it's so hard is people who I truly and dearly love, my parents, some of my kids, this is their life. They love the religion they're in. And guess what? I love them. And it's making them happy. And I want them to be happy. And I'm not going to discourage them from doing something that makes them happy. But how do you navigate these relationships in this life? I mean, literally, um, you know, my, my relationship with my dad, I love my dad so much, and it's really suffered because the church is so important to him. And he really feels like I'm spitting in his face by not living the teachings of the church because this is what he taught me, but I love him so much. And, you know, I know that some of my kids are confused because they believe so much in this and they see their mom who they love so much and they probably believe that I'm not going to be in heaven with them. Like, how do you how do you navigate these relationships? Um, Wendy, I'd love to hear from you and then Rodney, love your perspective as well because you said something during a recent discussion that really helped me with this. But Wendy, what do you do in these relationships? Do you have similar relationships? With oh, I do. I have, love, I have so. some kids that are active in church yeah. and definitely brothers um, and my, my mom. I mean, I have a daughter that's getting married this week. I can't even be there because yeah. I'm not allowed to go in the temple like that's really hard for me so yeah what do you what do you do how do you navigate that i have that um, same experience and for my daughter i actually what helped me feel better is i wanted her to know that i loved her and supported her and what made her happy and so i was the one that went and and got the things that she needed for the temple even though I don't support and I don't believe in that, I wanted her to know that I supported her. Yeah. And what happens is we're so uh, tightly identifying with the church that we think the church is us, that I won't even exist without the church. And so when you're attacking the church to your family members or it feels like attack, they feel like you're attacking them or you're betraying them or you're dishonoring them. And so it becomes, because you're the one that's waking up, it becomes your um, prerogative to be able to help them distinguish between I love you not for how well you can live the doctrine. I love you not for how well you can obey. I love you because because I love you for no other reason than yeah. who you are. Well, you bring up a really interesting point because I think in a lot of um, religions that are um, – I don't even know what to call it. Institutionalized doesn't seem like the right word, but in a lot of religions that are so deeply ingrained and so such a big part of your culture and who you are and, and so different from, from the way that the, the other people in the world live, I, I see this real problem that, yeah, love is conditional based on your commitment to the religion. because your performance there's, and obedience. It's, yeah, it's almost yes. like there's this relationship with the religion rather than the relationship with the person. And Rodney said something. We were having this discussion, Rodney, um, Sunday that really helped me. I, you know, what he said helped me realize that sometimes when that happens, when you're loving people based on or accepting people based on their worthiness or their participation in religion, that that can be perceived as conditional love. And what 
our, my goal is as a parent is to show unconditional love to my children and step into a space of non-judgment. Um, Rodney, could you share with everybody what you told me last Sunday about this? And I know you've gone through these relationships with your children that have been a struggle as well because they're really active in your church. What, what have you done with this? Well, there is a avatar, and I don't know what it's like with the LDS, but with the Jehovah Witnesses, there is an avatar of the disgruntled ex-Jehovah Witness. That's an angry person. That's a person that should be watched out for, you know, all these things. There's a lot of negative, negative pictures drawn of that person. I go out of my way to not be that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, I go out of my way to personify love, to personify acceptance, to be someone that my children know they can come to with no judgment. Mm-hmm. Because there is a lot of judgment in those kinds of faiths. And yeah. kids being kids will get into trouble. They'll get into trouble with the religion. You know, my son did. My son was kicked out of religion for like a year and a half or two years. You know, he's 19, 20, and doing what 19 and 20-year-olds do. But, you know, he got to know that his dad was not someone who was judging him, mm-hmm. that I would listen, that I understood. And I remember being that age. And it's important to be something other than what you're supposed to be. So I, I never want to come across as an angry, bitter person who's always trying to dump dirt on the church or, 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 you know, disrespect what they believe in. I'd rather be someone that's trusted, that shows unconditional love, mm-hmm. that is, is an example of what you can be outside of the church if yeah. they decide that. Yeah. They have an example of someone who's picked themselves up and you know, put together a pretty good life for himself. So that's that's what I want to be, a beacon of unconditional love, regardless of what they're taught, regardless of what I'm supposed to be. I'm just not going to be it. Yeah, and I, that's beautiful. I, I love that. Just be that unconditional love. And I know as my children, uh, you know, I have one child in particular who feels highly judged in the church and by some of her family members. And as she has come and talked to me, it's been so nice for her to feel like she's not being judged. Um, I want to mention, too, that it can be really hard to feel like you're losing family support and community support. So um, I want to mention again that we are actually getting a group together in Salt Lake City area here in a couple of weeks. Um, We're going to be uh, meeting as a support group. This is not a group to complain. This is not an anti, you know, religious group. This is a group where we can find love and support. Uh, Rodney will be there as a guest speaker. Wendy will be there um, facilitating that. And if any of you are interested, love to have you reach out to me. I want to read a couple of these comments too. Um, Sam said, um, oh wait, hold on, let me let me scroll up a little bit here. Um, Je- Sharon said, I used to really want my mom to truly understand what I was going through until I realized that for her to understand, she would have to experience the pain and disruption of life that I was. And I think that's a great way to look at it. I think it's it's looking at, you know, what makes someone else happy. And if that fulfills them and makes them happy, then great to let them have that happiness. Um, 
Lance said, I think you have to be careful not to project your beliefs onto others in the same way that religious leaders do. Um, and I think that that can go both ways, too. That kind of goes back to the, you know, being unconditional loving. Just because I believe something different doesn't mean that I'm going to project my beliefs on you. What I want to do is I want to be an example of love and happiness to my children and um, and. I want them to, to know that, that I'm going to love them no matter what. So I, I love this this conversation, this line of, of reasoning. So we've got about, let's see, we've got about 10 more minutes left in the show, maybe 15. And I really wanted to open this up because, Wendy, I feel really impressed right now just to, to offer you the opportunity to express what's on your heart or what your intuition's guiding you towards as somebody who facilitates the radio show. Sometimes I'm guiding the questions. I'm guiding the directions. But um, in this moment, I just feel um, like maybe there's something on your heart that you need to share, feeling impressed to share. So, Wendy, what's on your heart surrounding this uh, discussion here? Well, I, th I think one of the important things that I, I've learned just in observing, you know, human development and just being a really big researcher and somebody who is fascinated with how we develop as human beings and, and the expansive possibilities that we have. Um, and what I'm beginning to believe is that we have one prime directive, and that is to grow. Mm to grow, grow, and grow. And there's nobody that's going to be responsible um, for providing the environment or the situations or the relationships that will help you grow other than you. And so at, at the time that you're, you're disconnecting, it's like you have all these wires connected into the church and that's been your source of validation, your source of direction, your, your source of that's where you express your gifts, that's where you give your talents and your time and all of your energy to that source. And when you unplug from it, it's like you have all these cords dangling around. What do I plug into? What do I plug into? And that's your moment where you get to learn how to plug deep down within and recognize who you are, what you love, what is mm -hmm. your passion, what what lights you up and give yourself permission to move in that direction and understand what it is um, that your heart is calling you to and know that you have no limitations in being able to create that. That's so beautiful. And that brings up something, a point that I, I want to mention. Um, for those of you that are listening that might be where I was a couple years ago, feeling like you are worthless, feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of heartache because something that you based your whole life on now was being, a, a, your identity, everything was being changed and transformed. For those of you that are feeling that way, I want you to know that the other side's good, like you're going to be okay. And once I was able, I'm not saying that I'm in a perfect place right now, but I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I literally go places and people are like, whoa, what happened? You're so happy. Like there's just this difference about you. There's this light about you. And I want you to know that you're going to be okay. Like it's going to be okay. <laughs> and one of the biggest things you can do is you look where to plug in those plugs and those cords, like Wendy said, is just to listen to your intuition and, and God has not abandoned you. Like you still have every right to tap into that. And I remember there was this moment I, I was telling you, you know, when I was so confused and trying to figure out where to turn for answers and what to do. 
there were two things that helped me to gain confidence in myself more than anything. And, and the first one was actually this process that I'd done before, but I kind of did it with a new intention. It's my letter from God process. <laughs> when I was so confused and everybody had different answers and I was feeling different things from everybody, I thought, well, you know what? There's one person I know has answers and that's God. I remember taking this backpack and putting my notebook and pen in it and hiking to the top of the mountain by my house here in Phoenix and sitting down and writing at the top of this paper, Dear Allison, and then just writing this letter to myself from God. And it was amazing because as the words flowed out on the paper, and I as I looked back, they weren't my words. They were definitely divine words of guidance and of counsel, and that gave me the confidence to be able to move forward. The second thing that helped me more than anything was to have people that believed in me. In a, a situation, in a society, and in, in like all the people around me were telling me, Allison, you just need to listen to me. You can't think for yourself. You can't do this. You aren't getting inspiration and guidance. I, I started surrounding myself with people in my life that said things to me like, wow, Allison, you're really smart. You know you'll figure this out. Allison, you're one of the most intuitive people I know. I know you can do this. And as I started having people believe in me, and not tell me what to do. That helped my confidence. As I started writing these letters to myself from my divine source, I started gaining more confidence and more direction and the ability to move forward. And there was a comment made previously saying, you know, when we can stop listening to the voices around us and just tap in and tune up, that's what helped me more than anything else. So I love that analogy and that thought of being able to, to do that, Wendy. Rodney, do you have any thoughts that you want to express about this? Yeah, yeah, just piggybacking on some of the things that you said. One thing I, I help people to do is to look at life this way. Every year of your life is like a chapter of a book. And where people really get stuck is, you know, as you're writing these chapters presently, it doesn't match up with the rest of the book. There was a dramatic shift. Now your book's not making sense. The the characters in your book, you know, they... <laughs> the roles aren't matching up with your story and that's where most people get frustrated is they're trying to write more chapters in the same book at some point you have to write the end of the previous book write the end there's no mm -hmm. anger there's no resentment that book made sense while you were writing that book this is a brand new book new characters new 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 story new storyline new script everything's different Characters from the old book might not be in this new book. Some might show up and have different roles, reduced roles in this book. It's a brand new book. And if you can make that separation, it's easier not to carry over resentment. It's easier not to carry over confusion, knowing that that book is done. Put it on the shelf. Hmm. When you refer to it, you're just learning from it. You're not trying to rewrite it. It is what it is. Well, and something you said to Second me... Thing, Something you said to me, I just want to make this comment here, too, about the end of the book, is some people still identify themselves as, oh, I'm an ex-Jehovah's Witness, or I'm a disfellow, you know, I'm disfellowshipped right. from the LDS mm -hmm. Church. It's to, to let go of that label. You are not mm -hmm. an excommunicated Mormon or an excommunicated Jehovah's Witness. You are Wendy Jensen. You are. So to, to, I, I loved how you said that, because I think people still uh, take on that identity. So end the right. chapter to that book. Okay, what's your second piece of information? Right. 
20 years later, they'll be carrying that label. Yeah, I am at the yeah. fellowship of Jehovah's Witness. And yeah. I always say it's kind of like running into my high school counselor after all these years. I graduated in 1985. And some old lady says, are you Rodney Allgood? Like, yeah, I'm Rodney. You remember me? I'm Mrs. Connors. I was your high school counselor. I'm Mrs. Connors. You know, Rodney, you're still on detention. I put you on detention back in 1985 and I never took you off. I, that'd be crazy. I'm, I'm not in your high school. Yeah. Once you leave a religion, lose all their labels, lose all their wording and terminology, and just move on with your life. You you also mentioned that you, you went up to the mountain and you wrote, mm-hmm. and, and, and it came through you, right? Yeah. Right? So I'm going to share a poem. You know I, I write poems, yes, right? I'm going to show you it. the very first poem that I wrote. The very I did not know I could write poetry until I was 44 years old. Okay. And I went to journal because I was dealing with all this stuff. And I went to a journal, and this is what came out. Instead of me journaling, I wrote this in five minutes. It goes like this. Raised in beliefs that were not mine, a detachment from my true self showed over time. A lie I lived for so very long, not understanding my truth about what's right and wrong. Like a chameleon, I would change my colors at will, so the people I love would love me back still. But is it true love if you take it away because something called truth is not seen the same way? You see, we all have the power to use our own minds and seek understanding that we all wish to find. This journey is mine. It belongs to no other, no brother, no sister, no father or mother. See, I was created unique and like no one else, but my talents and gifts were then put on the shelf. But now it's time to break free from these chains and shatter the bondage that's out of my brain. Now I finally am free. I can soar to the sky and go, I was created in the image of the one who's most high. Mm. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing right. that, Rodney. Got the goosebumps as you were, as you were sharing mm-hmm. that. I love that. So for you, It's amazing what happens when you allow yourself to just be in that flow and just trust what's inside of you. Magic comes out. Mm-hmm. It's so true. When you, when you do, um, in, you know, let go of all inhibitions. And just allow that to flow through you. That's beautiful. There's something I want to want to touch on. I feel inspired to talk about too, and that is that is this component of being angry. I think sometimes it's hard when we transition to to really, in order to detach ourselves from something, we have to find something wrong with it. And I think it can be really easy to have a lot of anger and a lot of resentment. But I'm also a firm believer that anger and resentment will will stop you from moving forward, like you said, Wendy. And the whole point of life is this growth and moving forward. And that's usually why people end up leaving the church. Like you said, Rodney, you feel like, you know, you've outgrown certain things or you've moved beyond them. So how do you stop anger and resentment? How do you live in a space of gratitude for the things that you've learned, for the ways that you were raised, for the for the um, opportunities that you've been given and not live in anger and resentment? Wendy, what would your advice be for that? Well, um, what I've noticed about, and you kind of shared this with me too, and is that there is a the drama triangle. And mm. in order for you to have anger and resentment, there must be somebody um, as the villain. Right. For you to be a victim, you have to have a perpetrator, right? Yes. The only way you can be a victim is if something is doing something to you, right? Yeah, and you feel like it's not fair. And you realize in life that life is not fair. It's not fair that someone cat has cancer and they die. It's not fair that someone gets hit by a car. It's not fair that, that you were raped without asking, you know, it, 
it's none of life is fair. Mm -hmm. And at some point we have to um, let go of that villain that feels like the perpetrator on us. And one of the ways that we can do that is see the life lessons and to start to harvest um, through gratitude what we were taught. And what I love, I love my LDS heritage. I love girls camp. While I was in it, I had a fantastical, magical life. And for me to just throw all that away, it doesn't work. It's the same thing when I went through my divorce with my husband. We uncoupled. We did not divorce because I don't like that word. But we, we had so much love and respect for each other that we did it harmonically together. And we're still very good friends. And I care about his well-being and so I don't I don't have an enemy anymore to be angry at because I've been able to harvest the gratitude for what I learned in that experience yeah that's a beautiful way of looking at things and I really feel that way too I mean there's so many amazing experiences and opportunities and memories and just this last week I went to a a thing in Utah steak um, celebration where everybody was getting together and everybody brought food to share and they had a bake sale and karaoke and all these and those are the things I love those are part of my culture my heritage and you know primary programs and kids singing and there's girls so camp. yeah girls <laughs> can't there's so many things that I just love about it and um and I don't want to be angry about it and I don't want to feel Um, bitter about it. And I'm really glad that I don't, but I can also see how it's really easy when you look at things and you think, oh gosh, I was brainwashed for years, or I can't believe I, you know, participated in this, or I can't believe that in this. So one of the things I would say is just if you're feeling that way, just try and shift or change your perspective because um, you're going to to go so much farther when you do things out of love than when you are fueled by by guilt. And Rodney, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but but first of all, I want to make sure we have enough time because um, we are actually, Rodney has been traveling all over the country and he's been speaking to groups of, of excommunicated Jehovah's Witnesses. And as I got talking to him about some of the similarities between people transfer, transitioning out of Jehovah's Witnesses and transitioning out of the LDS faith, there were so many similarities. He actually has this online course that he's been doing and um, has been really helping people to be able to transition. And um, he and Wendy have actually collaborated and partnered up um, to offer support for people who are transitioning who feel like they need that extra help and oh my gosh you know I know I needed counseling during this time I know a lot of people need counseling or need additional support or help so we are going to be having a group get together in Salt Lake City in a couple of weeks this is not for people who are looking for a place to vent or be angry. This is for people who are transitioning, who are struggling, who are looking to both get support and also give support to other people who are really struggling with this transition. Um, Rodney's going to be sharing some of the things that he's been traveling all over the country and soon to be world sharing with people who are transitioning out of out of um, faiths that have you know this high cultural participation and and highly institutionalized. Um, Wendy has a plethora of knowledge and has been helping people um, with her her wisdom in both the healing arts and also transitioning through the church. Um, she will be there as well. So if you're interested in, in hearing more, if you've liked this conversation, then please reach out to us. We'd love to have you come to Salt Lake or um, love to connect you to Wendy or to Roddy. I know normally I do this Facebook Live on my feed. We're actually doing it on Wendy's feed today. Um, so you can connect with her. You can connect with me. You can connect with Rodney. 
if you want additional support um, just through Facebook. So would love to um, create a community of support for people, the community I wish I'd had when I was going through the transition um, in my life. Um, okay, so we, we need to wrap up the show, but uh, final words, just a sentence or less. Rodney, what are your what is your one takeaway you're hoping everybody gets from this? Man, there's so much ahead. Remember, the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror in life, right? So keep looking ahead. Know that there's there's just so much ahead if you can, you know, just use the past to learn from and keep setting your dreams, keep moving forward. Life gets better. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I love that. Hey, Wendy, by the way, someone just wrote on here, Wendy has been in in invaluable to me in my journey to healing. So anyway, oh, you're making a big you. difference. What's your final words, Wendy? Um, you could have no longer prevented your faith transition than you could have prevented your own birth. Only now you're about to ready to rebirth yourself. Ooh, you're like the midwife. I am you. the second life midwife. Second <laughs> I'm here life to help midwife. you. <laughs> Wendy's but here you're the help. one that has to deliver yourself. Yeah, that's so true. I guess my, my final parting words or piece of advice would be just love yourself. Um, that's what made all the difference is the moment that I decided that I was going to release guilt and shame and just fully step into a place of loving myself and surrounding people that loved me, that's when my life started changing for a positive direction. That's when I was able to to let go of the negative and really focus towards the positive. So just love yourself. Uh, go back and read some of these comments if you haven't read them all, they're amazing. And to join us next week, uh, my Allison H. Larson, and you've been listening to Spotlight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.